Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. This is Peter Englert. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. I'm here. We have two producers. We have Nathan Yoder and Dylan Carnival. Um, so we're finishing up the grief series today. Uh, we're with co-host John Amayo. We're welcoming him back for this episode. And um, we're asking the question, why not just avoid grief? I think it's a great question to kind of end with. We've mentioned a couple shows that John has walked through grief. We'll talk more about it. So, John, it's good to see you. Great seeing you too, Pedro. Great to be back here with you. Well, actually, this isn't the place that we normally do this or that I've been doing this with. You've been doing this on your own, and I come back, and there's cameras, and we're on YouTube now, and all (laughs) sorts of stuff has happened. So I think what we need to do is just have me step away a little bit more. All of a sudden, I'm yeah. in a studio. This is unbelievable. Well, wow. you know, you, you come back. Um, you know, before we get, like, really serious, mm. um, we're recording some of these and airing these out of order, but Sunday, the Buffalo Bills play in the AFC Championship. Right. Do you have any just quick thoughts on that? Uh, I we're, we're in a series on grief, and so I'm guarding my heart. That's all I'm doing right now. I'm just preparing. I've, I've experienced a lot of grief with the Buffalo Bills. It's been a tough tough thing for me in my life uh but i'm just guarding my heart what i said is i never believed that they would beat the chiefs from the beginning of the year i've said that so if they do i'm just gonna be really happy if they don't i'll be like well that's what i thought so perhaps that's just a way of guarding myself though you you know it's like being a jets fan every season i go in and i go four and 12 Mm -hmm. and this year they really disappointed me Mm because they went two and 14 so Anyways, this is what I miss about having you here. Know, yeah. Uh, you know, so l- let me just, you know, what a transition. Yeah. <laughs> you know, John, we've been asking everybody here, what's your basic definition understanding of grief? Yeah, you asked me that right before uh, we started. So thanks, Pedro. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have a working definition. I uh, The only thing I can express grief as, how I would describe it, is intense sadness. Now, I know that's not all that grief is. There's there's more facets to grief than just intense sadness, but I, I think that's maybe a foundational aspect of grief is that it, it involves um, oftentimes is precipitated by a big loss in our lives um, or things that have changed dramatically and uh, involves a, a real sadness that I think that as probably as a country, as a society, we don't do really well with it. I I'll speak just for myself. I don't do really well with that, uh, embracing that level of sadness and, um, you know, kind of, yeah, grief that, that we're faced with. It's, it's tough to do. So, well, I actually want to kind of stick there before we have some updates and share your story. You know, most of our guests have kind of a functional, you know, definition, which I think is helpful, you know, the loss of something. But, I mean, describe that sadness for us, because I think for you to even kind of say, this is what I feel, mm-hmm. um, and we talked about this in this series, like grief, you don't really know it until it's almost like, it's not like people say I'm grieving you know, there's other secondary emotions. So I'd just be kind of curious how you landed on that. Yeah, I mean, again, this is part of my journey that I've been in. So th- that's not the only 
emotion that you feel in the midst of grief. Um, certainly sadness, anger, confusion, all of that can be modeled in there. But I think for me, the foundation of it is a real sadness. And, and I think often anger can result from sadness. Um, you know, confusion can result from that same thing. And so for me, the, the, you know, the journey over the last year and a half for me has been one of slowly embracing grief in my life on a new level. And, uh, particularly with my mom. And so, um, I've, I've come to understand different facets of it and understand how it affects me differently, you know, throughout the course of this past year. So, well, why don't you kind of update us? You know, you've shared in other podcasts that your mom, dementia, and um, you know, we've shared the news. You know, you you said you kind of said to our listeners who, you know, you serve really well, you know, about that. But just why don't you just tell us the story from the summer to where we are now? Yeah. So, um, you know, over the course of the last year, around a little bit before this time last year, my mom was diagnosed officially with Parkinson's disease and dementia. And so uh, there'd been a long, slow decline with her mentally and physically. Uh, this past summer, she was probably at about 85 pounds, extremely underweight. Her cognitive function was declining pretty rapidly. Um, a lot of times she didn't recognize, you know, me or couldn't express who I was, um, although she realized I was a familiar face and, a, 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 you know, I think she expressed love toward me, but I don't think she could express who I actually was mm -hmm. a lot of time. Um, and so there's this, this slow realization, I think, over the last year that I was losing somebody that I that I really loved, you know, and, um, Dr. Pauline boss, who some friends of mine wrote a book, uh, called hit hard. And it was about their experience with their son in grief. And, uh, Dr. Pauline boss is a psychologist who, ter uh, who coined this term. Um, oh my goodness. And now I'm, now I'm spacing on the term. Oh, ambiguous loss, ambiguous loss. And I think for someone walking through somebody with that kind of disease, there's a loss, but it's ambiguous loss. It's not right away. It's this, they're there, but they aren't there kind of thing. And so I was living in that tension for about a year of she's with me, but in a sense, she isn't totally with me in the same way that she was. Um, and then... Uh, you know, not a uh, man, it, uh, the, the days seem kind of crazy right now in terms of time wise when all of this happened, but shortly before Thanksgiving and we're talking in January as we speak. So, you know, within a couple months ago, my dad was diagnosed with COVID and, uh, my sister went into the house to take care of him because, and take care of my mom. And, she needed help. So I went in to help take care of my dad and my mom and my, with my sister. Uh, and then two days into that experience, my mom was di diagnosed with COVID. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, through that time, it was extremely intense physically, mentally, emotionally. And, uh, 
my mom took a pretty severe downturn and she was hospitalized and she never recovered. Uh, she was uh, in the hospital for uh, over a week. Uh, miraculously, I did not come down with COVID, so I was able to visit her in the hospital when she was put into hospice, and then she got put into a hospice facility for the last three days of her life. And for me, those were the most intense days. Those were um, the days of saying goodbye, um, watching the process of her suffering, um, even though I guess you know, technically she wasn't suffering in the way that, that I, it appeared to me, uh, medically speaking, she might not have been suffering as much to me. I'm watching my mom waste away in a, in a bed and being able to do nothing about it. You know, um, I think that for me was, was the toughest part of this whole journey. So I, I you know, there was a, there was a period of probably, I think four days where I cried myself to sleep at night, four days in a row because of just the emotion, mm -hmm. the emotional toll that that was taking on me during that season. So, um, yeah, yeah. So I think that that season was the toughest part of the grieving process. And, um, yeah, so then after, after that, it was more of it's strangely a, a type of relief after watching someone suffer like that for so long and, and knowing that she was someone who followed Jesus and this is really what she wanted. Um, and as an outcome, she wanted to be with Jesus. And so, um, watching her just, uh, enter that phase, there was a weird sense of relief and grief at the same time, which is really confusing to walk through as well. So, you know, I, it's, the ambiguous loss idea is really helpful. Mm -hmm. And I guess as I'm listening to you, what, what I'm trying to kind of process through um, is you know that your mother doesn't recognize you as her son. So there's like a part of grieving. And then you, um, I mean, the coronavirus, it just, it was like that. Mm -hmm. So... You know, I'm trying to even get a picture of kind of what you're going through. So, like, you know, there's one picture of, you know, the volumes at five, then she gets the coronavirus, now the volumes at 10. Mm -hmm. Or I'm also kind of getting this picture of, you know, we prepared for this moment, you know, and now it's just going to be intense. You know, we were talking with Joyce Wagner, you know, losing a grandparent versus a parent's very different. But, you know, I talked about how, grieving i felt like i grieved way more before mm. my grandmother dying than i did after mm -hmm. i mean as you hear those things like what how would you kind of describe it um you know was it the volume was it weight you know or was it just this intensity that just kind of what you were expecting so to speak yeah i don't know if you can prepare for it i don't know you know there is a sense in which um you know, someone, someone that I work with during the same season, they had, they had called me, um, a day or two before my mom died and were checking in on me, seeing how I was doing. Well, the day before my mom died, their dad died suddenly. Like they had no idea wow. that it was going to happen. And then boom, uh, 
and so that's a different kind of grief you know i mean i i was i was kind of preparing myself for this and had been through the emotional ringer ahead of time um so it was kind of like a slow ramp up to it where some people it's like just dropped on them Mm. and i think no two ways to grieve are the same you know no two experiences are the same and so uh, and no two people are the same and so there's uh you know to say this is how one person will respond versus another you just can't you kind of got to roll with it and uh, for me it was a slow ramp up that got real intense for a season and then um i just felt exhausted after like i would just say you know and i'm still probably recovering from that exhaustion phase i mean my mom's uh passed away a little over 5 weeks ago now and i'm still um not back up to functioning physically the way i was before um still feel like i'll do something i'll do a few things a day and then i'm like well now i'm spent uh so i'm not up to where i was uh before before all of this before the coronavirus, how many days a week did you spend with your mom? Um, so in the beginning of last year, I decided to go over there twice a week. So I would take care of her from on Thursdays and Saturdays from like 9 to 1230 when I would put her down for a nap. So, yeah, a couple of days a week. And then, you know, what did a day look like when the coronavirus happened? You know, with your dad, I mean. Yeah, I mean, that that whole thing was intense because my sister and I, for a day or two, were taking care of both of them. And then my mom, with Parkinson's and dementia, like she was up all night. And so I took the, my sister was exhausted by the time I got there. So I, I stayed up till my sister would go to bed around nine and I would stay up with my mom from nine till like 4 a.m. And then I would go to sleep for as much sleep as I could get. And then she would, you know, we would just try to tag team it for a while together. But after a few days of that, we were just spent. And then my dad's symptoms started getting more intense. And so there was one day, the mo- the morning that, that we discovered that my mom we thought my mom might have COVID like that the day before she was really off. And so we were trying to figure out what's exactly happening right now. Uh, that morning she, she ran a fever and, uh, we, we knew this is probably COVID even though we had just taken her to get tested. And so uh, the doctors had advised us if that happens, call the ambulance. So we called the ambulance, the ambulance came, um, into the house that morning um, they took her away and, you know, there's no words to express in that moment, kind of what we were feeling. Um, and so then my dad started to get worse. So with COVID, a lot of people don't hit the, the bad point until like a week to 10 days down the road. And then it gets really intense. So then my dad got really intense that same day. And so we thought, we took my dad to the hospital and my sister at one point looks over at me and says, are we orphans now? Like what just happened? Like we're driving back from the hospital. Both of our parents are in the hospital. Neither one of them can see each other, but they're there. And we just were at a loss of 
what was going on. So um, that was, without a doubt, one of the most emotionally intense times. I think the physical intensity of it uh, on top of it probably, you know, amplified it that much more. You know, so this, by the time this airs the way it's scheduled, we just got done interviewing Josh Eisenhart, Mm -hmm. um, you know, who shared about losing both his parents. And I just can't imagine, like, even for you and your sister to stop in that moment because it's not just one person, it's potentially two people. Mm -hmm. And it it just sounds like it just hits you so hard in that moment. Yeah, yeah, it was was weird. I mean, uh, surreal and just emotionally, you know, really puts you through the ringer for sure. Um, and I'm sure there'll be aspects to it that I probably will continue to process, you know, cause one of the things I'm learning through this is it's not just like it goes away, boom, you're done. Um, so I, th- I think there'll be aspects to this that I probably will, pro- will be processing for a while. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, you keep saying our question today, you know, um, is why not just avoid grief? And so it's funny because, John, you do this thing. You're like, you're like, you know, I push my emotions away and then you <laughs> proceed to tell us what you're feeling. So I'm sure there's a struggle in that we've had. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I, I guess I guess I'm kind of curious because you talk about crying. You're being very real. Mm-hmm. There's some anger. So. I mean, what are you still pushing away? What do you still think that you haven't processed? Or Well, I mean, you know, I'm a human being, right? So I, I don't enjoy pain. So even though I want to lean into it, and I'm doing my best to lean into it, um, there's an aspect to it that that isn't necessarily fun, you know? I mean, it's not like anybody wants to go through this and relive some of the things. And so I think there's a tendency for me to 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 want to ignore some of that um and i I, hopefully i have prepped myself to do a a a lot of the work that's needed in this but i'm not perfect and and i will i will try to numb out in a thousand different ways you know if i'm not careful and i have to be really cognizant of that and some of them are you know you know i'm tempted to do all sorts of stuff during this season but some of them are just really mild like i've probably visited the buffalo bills blog more during this time than i have any other time in my life just because it's like wow if i numb out to the bills for a while now that's twisted because you know it's not like the bills make you feel better but but there's some sense of like leaning into that like like, that's a weird way to cope but but I'm finding all of these little ways that I have to just be really cognizant of and go am I am I trying to avoid right now or am I like or is this just a, a diversion that I just need you know things things in my life like um, exercise can be a really good thing while you're grieving. And, and sometimes you need to do that, move your body. That helps. We're all interconnected. And so I've been trying to exercise a lot during this time, but there's a time at which too, if you're not careful, you can actually, um, do that to escape in a negative way. So it's always this dance that I'm doing internally. Am I avoiding right now or am I trying to move forward healthy? So it sounds like 
there's moments in our life like we just need a break. Mm-hmm. And then there's moments where it's like, no, you really need to lean in and push through. Mm-hmm. I mean, what does that look like for you today? I don't know. I mean, like I said before, every day is different. So mm-hmm. I, it, that's the weird part of this. Like you just never know when it's going to gonna hit. Like I could be in this combo with you right now and just all of a sudden break down and cry. Like, and I realize that, like even coming into this conversation, like I could have a moment and I need to go with it. If that's where I'm at in that moment, I need to go with it. And that's really weird. Um, so sometimes it means that. Sometimes it means giving yourself permission to to just cry when the tears are there, you know? Um, but it's also permission to just be where you're at in a given point. And if the and it doesn't mean you have to force the tears to be there either. That's mm-hmm. the that's the flip side of it. Cause for me, I can think, well, if I was really grieving quote unquote right, then then I would just be like crying all the time in a corner, but that's not the way that grief works as I've discovered, you know? Um, sometimes it just means I'm just really tired and I need to accept that and to not force myself to do more than I can actually do in that moment. Um, which is tough for me because I want to gut it out and just, you know, keep on going. But, uh, this has taught me that you, you can't push yourself beyond what you're able to do sometimes. So, um, what's been helpful, you know, from people that have supported you and maybe what are some things that haven't been so helpful? <laughs> um, I think, you know, I have been blessed by a lot of supportive people in our lives and, um, and I'm just super thankful, you know, Pedro, including you sitting here across the table, um, for the people who were really supportive, uh, during this season, you know, I was posting stuff on Facebook just out of desperation more than anything else. Um, like basically I, I posted stuff on Facebook just because I needed to have people pray for me. I don't normally like posting things on Facebook, but I was like, I, I, if, if you're a praying person, would you please pray for us? And then the responses that, that I got from people off of that, just people praying was unbelievable. Um, unlike anything I'd experienced on social media, I was like, wow, this is actually what this is designed for. Like this can be a really good, you know, force for good. And so I think people praying was huge during the season. Not, and I know not everybody believes in that. Not everybody is like, oh yeah, prayer, you know, they, they, it's mumbo jumbo, whatever. But I think there are some answers to prayer that, w- that we experienced during this season that, that like, I don't understand how things happen the way they did if it wasn't for God orchestrating it. Do you have an example? Well, yeah. I mean, the first one that comes to my mind was the fact that, that I didn't come down with COVID. Like I was in the house with my sister came down with COVID, uh, you know, a few days after we took my mom to the hospital and I'd been all around her, been all around my dad, the how I'd been all around my mom. Like it, we were masked for some of the time, but like taking care of my mom, I couldn't be mad. Like, you know, my mask was falling down. I was like, if I'm just going to come down with this thing, whatever. Um, and 
somehow miraculously, and I, 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 I can't explain it other, any other way. I didn't get it, and even though my sister got it, my dad got it, and I was able to visit my mom in the hospital uh, because I didn't have it. If I had had it, I wouldn't have been able to visit her. And because I was able to visit my mom in the hospital, the doctors were somehow were extremely favorable to her and um, got her into this hospice facility that she wouldn't have been able to be a part of. Like there's only 11 beds in this facility and it's extremely nice and an an amazing place uh, of peace and quiet. And somehow miraculously she was able to, of all the people who have COVID in this county at that time, like she was able to, to get into there. Um, and my mom was a hospice nurse for many years. And so, um, the nurses at that facility were like, oh, she was one of us, you know, and, and not that they don't take great care of everybody, but they just had this real empathetic sense toward them. So, um, I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of prayers, but that, that was some of the stuff that we were just saying, Hey, would you pray for this? Would you pray for that? And, and people were, and God was answering. And so I think people praying, I think just super practical stuff, like people bringing meals. I never realized how amazing that was until I was in the moment and I didn't have the emotional energy to put together a meal or to even think about a meal. And then some people, like some of the people in our small group, like, and Josh is part of our small group, but, but some of the people in our small group just, they didn't even ask. They just said, Hey, we're bringing over something today. That was actually a huge blessing in the moment, especially in the really intense times. They just said, Hey, we're doing this and didn't even ask questions. That was a huge blessing. I learned something from that because in that time, if you, if someone asks you, what do you need? You're like, I have no idea. Like I just, I, I can't think about anything else right now. So that was actually a huge blessing to me in that moment to just that, have people say, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're just bringing over something. Just accept it. <laughs> um, and then, you know, Peter, you set up the meal train. I, I am not the type of person that's like, I'm going to, I'm going to ask people for help. Um, typically speaking, I'm like, oh, I can get by. I'm fine. And I just realized I wasn't okay. I wasn't fine. And I had to admit that, you know, and go, I'm, I'm not going to make it, uh, right now. So I need to help. I need to have help. And that was a humbling thing for me, but I just needed to, even even the act of having people provide um, meals, you know, things that that from the outside you might not think, oh, that's a huge deal, but it is a huge deal if you're in the midst of of something that intense. So, what do you? Um, you've been very open. Um, obviously, we wouldn't have a podcast with someone that didn't want to talk, and we want to honor people that do that. Um, you know, Mike Keys, our mutual friend, he was our first episode. And um, are you feeling like you're at a point where you're like, are people going to talk about my mom again? Or, you know, because it just, if I was to set the calendar and everybody, you're right, everybody grieves differently. Hmm. You know, it, sometimes it's like everybody else moved on with their lives. Hmm. I mean, where are you at kind of in that? 
Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Um, that's a good question. I I yeah. I I sometimes I feel all I I feel all sorts of different ways. Sometimes I'm like uh, I just wish somebody would would bring it up more or like would would just you know say something to me about it um and other times i'm like it doesn't it's not dominating my mind as much right now so i haven't you know so i'm i don't know where i'm at with that honestly like i'm kind of in between worlds part of the deal is like we we haven't had the opportunity because of covid we haven't even had the opportunity to have a memorial service yet um, so she asked to be cremated, so she was cremated. So that actually, in a way, was super helpful in this process, but also, um, you know, delays kind of one of the big markers in the grieving process, which is, you know, that ceremony kind of aspect. So we haven't even had that yet. Um, Does that bother you, or do you think that that's somewhat helpful or somewhere in between i don't know i mean part of me wishes it's already happened you know uh i can see how it will be cathartic in in the at the time Mm -hmm. too when when we can actually do it um but yeah i guess there's positives and negatives at both sides of it yeah it's it's weird yeah you know it's just i mean how do you you never want to think about someone passing away, but if you take a moment to think about that, it's mm-hmm. mostly like, all right, a week later. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't even know how I would feel kind of walking through that. Like, all right, um, maybe June, maybe mm-hmm. outside, maybe Matt. And like, I can right. only imagine what questions you're asking. Yeah. Yeah. It's all that stuff. You know, it's the, it's the, when is the, the virus going to be in a spot where we can gather people again, you know, where do we want to have it? There'll probably be a couple different locations where we do it. Um, you know, and, and then what emotional space uh, space am I going to be at at a given time? You, you, you start to play the mental gymnastics of it and it's like, yeah, you can't even go there. You don't know, um, that side of it. It's really tough to project where you're going to be emotionally at a given time. So, um, so I, People don't, I think maybe I've said this, but you're the reason we're doing this series. <laughs> Little did we know that mm-hmm. we were walking through this. And I can remember, you know, you were in the midst of, we'll just say the ambiguous loss grief when we talked mm-hmm. about this. Um, we're in 2021. We're about a year from the pandemic. We've been through a very difficult election. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of hurt, lots of anger. Um What's different about grief for John in 2021 than January of 2020? Well, you know, one of the things I've come to appreciate through this process is I think now um, we are collectively as a society, we're grieving. Like I'm experiencing, so John in 2021 is experiencing a more intense form of grief, but grief was still there before my mom passed away. Um, and I think this had just amplified that level a little bit, but it was still there. And I, what I'm seeing in the people that I talk with is most everybody is experiencing grief right now. 
in one form or another. And it's tough when an entire society, when an entire world is dealing with grief and everybody is dealing with it differently, (laughs) you know? And so you do see, I think a lot of the anger that we see right now portrayed, you know, out there is because people are sad and they're hurting and they're, and it's coming out into, in anger as well. Um, you know, and I think, you know, a a lot of people, we just don't know how to deal with grief as a society. We don't talk about it enough. And so then when we're forced into it, we're like, well, things should be better by now. And then we just want to rush to the next thing. And it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. So, um, yeah. You know, I'm just kind of, I'm thinking about, you know, this year, I'm thinking about our listeners. I'm thinking about, you know, you and, um, you know, a question that I just kind of keep coming back to, we were, we were talking about lament. We're going through the book one blood by John Perkins. And like, we have this new teammate. She's a virtual teammate. Her name's Whitney. And she talks about the Rwandan church Hmm. and Rwanda. Hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of grief and they've, you know, in some ways they lament well. And I, I guess the question that I'm kind of asking is grieving and lamenting seem like, and maybe this is so American, like, well, well what do we do? Mm-hmm. Like, what does a church service look like that you're in a rhythm of lamenting and grief? What is, what does a small group look like? What is a relation like, mm-hmm. you know, to do this like really well? I don't know. What thoughts do you have about that? Man, I don't know. I mean, like a, a uh, you know, as I think about a church service or a, a, a setting where we could help people process things, I, I think maybe a creative idea that I would have, if, you know, I'm, I'm spitballing here with you, but I think a creative idea might be... Those are the best ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I could envision a service where, you know, different psalms were looked at and... Uh, rather than just keep it mental, okay, yeah, this is what the psalm says, this is da-da-da, but to look at lament psalms and then have everybody actually take a chunk of time and write a lament psalm. Mm -hmm. Like, just write your lament and then have enough space where you could actually provide a time where people could do that. It could be really, really powerful, and you would probably be surprised at how much pain is there and how much people are really struggling with if they were given the space to actually express that to God. Um, and they might find it really healing to be able to have that kind of space to to present it to God. So I know that's kind of an outside-of-the-box kind of way to think about it, but um, I think I would probably— appreciate that kind of <laughs> environment uh and yeah and it'd be interesting to the sh- to hear what other people wrote that mm-hmm. would be really interesting to me so it's, as americans and and maybe a different uh you know certain segments of america we're very we can be very intellectual about things like faith can be just this check your boxes kind of thing but i don't think god has designed faith to be that way it's not just a check the box intellectual do you believe this yes do you believe this yes god is about the the when the bible uses the word knowing it's this 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 idea of intimacy like 
super connected relationally, emotionally, physically, like it's everything. It's knowing to say God knows me is like this intimacy. Um, and so I think we miss that when we aren't able to express those kind of things to God. Mm. What do you think it looks like to create space for grief in a relationship? Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, I can only, I can only say what I've experienced over these last few weeks, even, you know, in context of my marriage, even context of my wife, you know, um, you know, I was living, I was, so I came back to my house. I was in my house for, for a while while my mom was in the hospital I was in isolation in my house because my family didn't want to get sick in case I had it. No, we didn't know if I had it at that point yet. So, um, we, uh, so I was in isolation, but finally, you know, it was like, okay, well, my mom's in hospice now. It kind of became like, well, you know, let, let's just try to get back to a semblance of normal. And, uh, but that one, one night I was just, thinking about, you know, what I had witnessed as my mom was in the hospital and, um, I just started crying and my wife was just there and just put her arm around me and, and was just letting me sob, you know, as I'm laying there, just absolutely, you know, sobbing, uh, as the tears are coming and it's kind of like you're throwing up. I don't know, you know, if people have had those experiences when you're crying so hard, it's almost like you're throwing up. It's like, you're like when you're throwing up, it's like in waves and you just, and it's the same thing with tears, just like coming in waves. And, um, you know, and my wife, she didn't say hardly anything. I mean, she said, maybe, I think she asked me, what are you feeling? And I just didn't have the ability to say much. I just said, I just feel really sad. And that's what I felt. And that was okay. She just sat there with me for as long as it took. And, um, I think we complicate things with this a little bit too much. I think sometimes, you know, to be a help with someone in grief is not talking to them about it as much as it is just being there with them and kind of putting your arm around them and being okay with that. Well, and, um, you know, I love what you said, like, and I think we even talked about this in series planning. There's an element of like, you have to just do something mm. like if you're going to support another person mm -hmm. and that kind of sounds American, but in some ways I think where we fail with grief is, you know, and again, I'm thinking about Josh's interview. Like we say dumb things like God got another angel or mm. it was, it was, you know, it was her time and you know, just they lived a full life and it's like, that might be true, mm -hmm. but that's not helpful as right. opposed to, you know, I'm going to call you every two weeks or, you know, we're going to make sure you get a meal. Um, you know, I was thinking about the book, Everything Happens for a Reason by Kate Bowler, who um, she tells she tells a story. She has stage four cancer. It's I think it's kind of neutral right now. But she said for like a year, someone just mailed them an Amazon gift card. Mm. So, um, yeah, it just it has me thinking because, again, I think the reason even we landed on this series is there's a lot of people that are feeling things right now that it's amazing what happens when you just show up. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I've been blown away by that. By And sometimes it's the people you least expect, honestly. Like, I didn't expect some of the people that, that reached out to reach out. Like, I... And they were just like, we're bringing you over a meal. And some of the stuff that people that maybe, you know, that I don't know if they're even followers of Jesus, but they but they just showed up and showed such love that I was like, my goodness, I'm just so, so amazed by that, you know, um, and so grateful for that, that they would think of me in, in this time. Um, so, uh, you know there's all sorts of different you know places on the spectrum people are but you just have this fresh new sense of what's really important uh, you know when you're walking through something like that kind of one more just kind of practical why not avoid grief because you know i think specifically about your situation you kind of brought it up um like you talked about almost feeling guilty because you're not sad enough you're you're not doing grief you also mentioned too, like, I think what's natural, your mother faced dementia and to see her go like, just, I don't know how to explain, but like, just to see her not suffer, that's probably mm-hmm. the best way. Um, you know, how do you be fair to yourself and kind of receive God's grace, but also know like, man, you know, I mean, just selfishly, I don't have to take care of my mom anymore. Mm. But on the other hand, like I would have her here. I mean, how are you navigating all of that? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, One of the first images, so I'm just building off of something that you just said. One of the first images that I had, um, maybe the day after my mom was was gone, um, I had this realization of my mom being in Jesus presence and and she had all of her needs taken care of which um just was like this ultimate relief for me in that moment um i think i've felt the pressure to to provide those things a lot and um i had this vision of her being there and she had no more needs at all like her every need was taken care of and realizing that the next time that i see her um will be the truest form of her that i've ever that i've ever seen and um that was that was pretty significant for me to have that realization you know that that um because as I as I kissed her goodbye, you know, I, I was like, "Mom, I'm going to give you a hug, but this is the last hug I'm going to give you before heaven." And, uh, and then I was just weeping in that moment. I was like, I couldn't hold it together, and I'm trying to pray for her, and I'm just sobbing in the middle of it. And but but I realized that that there will be that hug again. But um, and and when that hug occurs, she's she's going to be in this, she's already in this place where she's had all of her needs taken care of. And it's just going to be a, a, you know, a beautiful thing to look forward to. Um, so, yeah. Wow. What, what would you say to people, um, that are grieving right now? And essentially that's kind of to everybody. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I hope you have people around you. I hope you can let people in. Uh, that was a tra challenge for me in this process was letting people into the grief and um, being open with the grief. Uh, I chose out of desperation to put it out there to people and let people kind of in on a daily for maybe two weeks, I let people on a daily look on what my life was, what I was experiencing for that couple of weeks. Um, I actually don't regret it. Um, even though I didn't want to in the moment, I was hesitant to do it, but, and I, and midway through, I was like, uh, you know, I feel like I'm being annoying to people now, but, um, I feel like it was healing for me and I feel like it helped other people know how to connect with me in a more um, tangible way. So, so I would say, I, I hope you have people in your life. I hope you can let at least some people know. And I know not every situation can be put out there on social media or whatever. And that's not necessarily the right way to deal with everything. We run to that a lot, but um, I at least hope you have some people in your life uh, and you, and if you don't, at least you can, reach out to one or two people because you need other people. You can't do it on your own. So I, I just want to tell people that too. Like you can't like grief is not intended to be walked through on your own. Uh, I've just seen too much of like, I think we're such an individualistic society. We don't want to depend on anybody for anything, but there come times in your life where you need other people in, in your life you know, and that's just one of them when you're grieving. And so collectively as a society right now, I think we need to step back and realize we need each other. It's not an option to just get by through this on our, on our own. We need each other. We need other people in our lives as well. So I would tell them that. And, you know, the, the promise of, of Jesus that, you know, he tells us that everybody who's weary and carrying heavy burdens, they will, they can come to him and he will give them rest. You know, I, I think that's a legitimate deal. Like I think we're exhausted because we're grieving right now. Mm. Um, I think as a society, we're exhausted. We feel like we're carrying heavy burdens around. Jesus is offering us a way to experience um, true life in the midst of it. He doesn't say we're going to escape grief, but, like he will take our burden from us. And so I would just say if you're considering, you know, Jesus, like he actually does meet you in times of grief. I Actually, it's been weird because I haven't, I haven't been able to spend as much time reading my Bible lately. Like I, I just, it's taken more effort, it seemed like. And I'm, I've been getting back into it now, but, you know, it's been harder so I just started small, small little chunks, you know, and, uh, I read the sermon on the Mount just, but just little chunks of the sermon, not the whole thing all at once. I just little chunks and, and, um, and, uh, the, it just stuck out to me what Jesus says, you know, blessed or happy are the people who mourn because they will be comforted, you know, and, as you lean into grief, it seems like it would be the opposite. You know, you'll just get sadder and sadder. But I think as you mourn and 
and bring your grief to God, he will actually meet you in that spot in a, in a way that you don't anticipate so that that mourning actually can turn to a, um, a joy in a sense. Not a phony joy, not a like a skipping around kind of joy, but like a peace uh, that's real. Mm. We're going to ask the question we always ask, even though you kind of answered <laughs> it. Um, you know, just for our listeners, um, you know, I love John. You know, John's a really good friend. Um, and I'll kind of let him kind of share where he's at. Um, you know, one of the things that we're trying to kind of model is you know, John's been through a lot. And so he and I have had some conversations and, you know, John might come back, you know, John is kind of on a break and I just kind of feel like listeners, you're our family. And I just kind of want to tell you that. And we're trying to model what we've said in these episodes, you know, John does this, you know, kind of volunteering, um, you know, and, and we care about you, but we also, you know, we care about the individuals that are part of it. So, you know, John might, as uh, Cody Schweikert said, come back like a retired football player. Um, or John might do some other endeavors. And I know that that's not a clear answer, but, you know, we just, I kind of feel responsible to those of you in this family. John's always going to be a part of this family. But, um, yeah, I mean, John, do you want to say anything about that or just? Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, Peter's been extremely gracious during this time. Uh you know, obviously for a season I had to say, I can't think about a podcast right now. So, uh, you know, and, and Peter's super gracious in the midst of all of that and has continued to be gracious. And at this point, I don't know. So why God, why tribe? Uh, I love you. I love you. But, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds at this point as I stay in the, like, as I try to monitor the inner world a little bit for myself. Um, I'm just, I'm just at that spot right now where I'm just trying to monitor that a little bit and go, what is next? Um, and if there is something next for me, there will be someone else in this chair that will be fantastic because that's one of the things I've learned in life. You know, sometimes I need to step aside so that someone else can step up and, uh, do an even better job than me. There's always somebody else out there. Um, Alex Trebek, died someone else is hosting jeopardy now if that can happen someone else can take over the why god why seat if that you know comes to that um just don't bring up drew carey and bob barker but (laughs) anyways um, so that's yeah but no i it it has been no matter what way it lands and you know we're up in the air on that right now no matter what way it lands short in the long term it has been an absolute blast getting to serve alongside of you, Pedro, as a friend and, um, you know, as, as someone who cares about the same kind of things, you know, reaching people for Jesus who feel marginalized and feel out of it and feel like they don't know if they have a voice in this thing and and trying to ask those kind of questions that, that those people who hopefully are out there listening to us right now um, – care about and so you know it's been a joy i don't know how many episodes we we've done has it been a hundred have we done a hundred almost that almost a hundred what is it adam mcguffey from the joy ethic we'll we'll say like 90 or 100 whatever it is i don't know i'm rounding up to a hundred just to say we've done it but uh it's been so much fun to be a part of that so Mm. 
So what does Jesus have to say about not avoiding grief? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. I you need go. to go. <laughs> you go first. Yeah, you go first. I, oh, good. Phew. All right. You know, good. I can tell that I'm like grieving you not being here because like I asked this question and it's so awkward. So mm. I was interviewing a guest and like I went to answer it mm-hmm. and like it kind of felt like a question. So like anyways, that's <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. Um you know, as we close this series with this episode, um, I I just I just think that Jesus is big enough, gracious enough, merciful enough, wanting us to enter into grief, and um, you know, I don't really have a Bible passage, and I don't think it it's helpful, but um, you know, one of probably the most formative stories of my life. I wasn't even a part of, but, you know, my sister had cancer. Um, she survived it, but, um, she went to get chemo from Binghamton to Syracuse cause Syracuse just had better hospitals for kids. And I'll never forget this moment that, you know, she's like seven or eight years old, going to get chemo and she's with my dad and grandma. And she says, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to get chemo and she's crying and you know as even I heard this from my grandma and my dad you know my dad who's a big guy is crying and you know just sitting there so sad and at the end of it with the chemo you know she she says I made dad cry Hmm. and and I think about why not to avoid grief and I think about that story that the thing that we think will ultimately be our demise is actually you know as Joyce Wagner said the last the last kind of degree is meaning and you know it's not like there's this you know everything works out but there's there's some type of meaning so to avoid that is to actually miss out on a gift from a savior who grieved himself so yeah that's well said I I mean I mean, you just, all you need to do is just read, read the Bible and you just realize, like, legitimately, just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, look at Jesus. He didn't, he didn't run away from grief. He embraced it. Mm. And he knows what it's like to feel pain. So, you know, blessed are those who grieve for they'll be comforted. I truly believe that. But, and then there's this other piece to it that's really real that I think Jesus has experienced the same pain that you have. And, and Christianity is really unique in that way in that it says that God is, has become one of us to experience the things that we have experienced. So God isn't this removed being that can't understand what we're going through. He actually knows what we're going through experientially. And so if you're sad if you're hurt, if you're angry, Jesus has experienced that too. And it's okay to bring that emotion to him and to let him know. Um, so, yeah. I'm not going to end with our normal spiel. Um, I don't feel like that's, I don't know. I'm thankful for Browncroft Church and, you know, I hope you all share this. But, you know, John, as a way to close out this series, um, do you mind just praying for everybody that's grieving? and Sure. Yeah. Dear Lord, uh, thank you for every person who's listening or watching right now. And uh, you know their pain. 
and uh, some of them are going through really intense things right now. Maybe even today they've experienced something that's really, really intense for them. And so, Lord, I, I pray you, you would meet them where they're at. You know each of their stories. You've created each of us uh, in your image. And, Lord, I pray you would meet them where they're at, that they would be able to, to share what is on their hearts with you and with people around them. I pray that they would experience you and your presence with them, maybe in this time like they never have before. And Jesus, there's one thing you tell us about you. You're the Prince of Peace. And so I pray that you would give everyone who's listening today, everybody who's watching, you would give them a sense of your peace and your presence with them during this time. And uh, maybe even for those that don't know you, that they would, they would turn to you in a fresh way today and go, Jesus, here's my life. Here's everything I have. Um, I want to experience the world the way that you want me to. So thank you, Lord, for that opportunity. Uh, we just are so thankful for everybody who's listening and watching and just pray a blessing on them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us.